0: I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And this week in the U.S., it is Memorial Day weekend. So, we thought, what could we do to celebrate this weekend? A little time of reflection and celebration in some ways. Well, today we're going to celebrate it by welcoming longtime Purple Patch coach Sean Garrick. What the heck does endurance coaching got to do with Memorial Day weekend? Well, Sean didn't get into coaching. By being an endurance athlete and just wandering through life and thinking, hmm, what else is there to do? You know what? I'm going to do a little bit of coaching. His background is something entirely different. He's an aerospace engineer, a longtime United States Marine Corps fighter pilot. He's gone on multiple cruises on aircraft carriers. He was a test pilot with over 2,300 flight hours. He has a background that is eclectic, strong, and steeped in performance. Today, we have a conversation. We dig into his journey as a Marine and how mentorship is really, really important. Both the mentors that he had, as well as his role as a teacher and mentor in the Marine Corps. We also dig into words that are synonymous with success in the Marine Corps, but also success in performance across any aspect of life. Things like discipline, commitment, team, focusing on the controllables and everything else that you might imagine around being successful. Now, as I mentioned, Sean is one of our longest serving coaches and he is in many ways an inspiration. He's one of my right hand men and I feel so thankful to have him as a part of the team and we are incredibly excited to have this conversation, which to be honest, has been too long in coming. Well, I finally got my hooks into him, got him to sit down, and give him his perspective in performance across both sport and life. That is our conversation today, all in honor of Memorial Day weekend. But before we dig into the conversation, and I know that you're gonna enjoy it, first, we've gotta do that little section, my favorite section, ooh, the bleeding you. So who are we gonna talk about today? Well, with the racing coming onto the calendar across many parts of the world, we had a large, large pool of people that we could choose from. But I decided this week to keep it really, really close to home. I want to talk about one of our coaches, our coach that some of you guys listening see quite a bit because he's on all of the videos of our strength and conditioning program, Mike Orzinski. Now, Sean is not going to be very happy with me because in his episode where we get to listen to Sean, I'm going to put right to the front the longest standing Purple Patch coach that we've had. Now, you might be lucky enough to be coached by Mike, and as the longest standing Purple Patch coach, which has been a 10-year project of development, it's really interesting that he coaches a broad range of athletes, including multiple youth and college-age runners, professional ultra-distance runners, and, of course, triathletes. And so why for this section do I bring Michael Zinski up? Well, it's nothing about his coaching. It's actually about one of his own performances and his performance last weekend in particular. You see, Mike joined myself and a collection of our friends including Peter, yes, that Peter from the Peter Minute for a 50 kilometer trail running race. We went up to Oregon, and we had a little bit of fun in the hills of Mary's Peak Ultra. It was a lovely event, and we received, I might add, a very warm welcome from everyone there. It was great. Now, the course itself, it was a challenge. It was a tough course, and to be honest, it was even harder than I thought it might be. Mike comes from a pretty rich running history, but he really wanted to put to test the Purple Patch methodology of leveraging multi-sport training to prepare for long-distance running. And so to get ready for this, he utilized the bike in his training. He also actually followed his strength program, soup to nuts, multiple times weekly, and he also added a healthy dose of speed training. So all of that to help him get ready for this really long trail running event. Now, he was well-trained, but also maybe a little bit worried because he hadn't quite packed the miles in. Many of his either prior races had come undone because of mechanical fatigue and also issues around fueling and hydration. And so what we wanted to do going in was to mitigate the repeated challenges of systemic shutdown, as well as cramping. So Mike took advantage of our Purple Patch Performance Center here. He went through sweat testing, all delivered via Precision Hydration. And the assessment revealed some really surprising news. Mike, I guess, is one heck of a salty sweater. Even Andy Blow, the founder of Precision, was aghast. He had even more sweat loss than Andy. And Andy started the company due to his own perils and sodium loss. And so what we found out was Mike actually required a whole bunch of hydration, something that he didn't know or really wasn't privy to. And he had a whole high concentration of sodium included. So now, after plying Mike with double salted margaritas the night prior, he was all set. Multi-sport training, integrated strength. And the new information and approach to hydration so that he can be set up for success. Would it work? Well, the result, a heck of a performance, one where my left eyebrow rose. He finished the race in just a smidgen over five hours, and it was a top finish, an exceptional personal performance that was steeped in wonderful pacing, great form throughout the second half, filled with resilience, fitness, and even muscular freshness. Goodness me, you know what on top of it? Absolutely no systemic or GI issues. The kicker, and this is the kicker, is after Peter, yes, that Peter from the Peter Minute, after Peter and I spent our recovery hours on a bar stool, Mike went to bed, and then he woke Sunday morning and promptly took on the quest of how fast he could run a mile. Can you imagine that, running a mile? The day after a 50K? Guess what? He went four minutes and 59 seconds, a sub five minute mile to go along with his five hour 50K. That's impressive, laddie. So, well done, Mike. A wonderful performance leaning into everything that is the heartbeat of Purple Patch. A little bit of pragmatism, some performance through multi sport, and the backing of investigation and solution through science, precision, sweat, testing. I've got to say, as a coach and leader of Purple Patch, I was rather proud. And with that, Barry, come on, mate, you're up. It's about that time. Yes, it is time for Word of the Week. Hit it, Bazza. We like the way he thinks, serious with the way. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the every Word of the Week. Yes, the word of the week. And this week, the word of the week is connect. Now, this is a short one, but it's important and it's simple. You see, in any quest or pursuit of excellence, I highly encourage you not to go it alone. Instead, build your allies, your tribe, your people. The very best performers across all aspects of life build teams around them. The most successful align with mentors, peers, partners to share the journey. Those who love the process and the journey are seldom going about things solo. And so if you want to thrive in anything, connect, become a part of something, develop accountability, feel the power of community and making your journey a shared journey and in fact that's why we love our video coaching program because it offers a chance for athletes from anywhere to develop a shared experience that includes laughter pain suffering but most importantly connection you want to shine find a way find a way to connect because i promise you that is a key component in your path to performance and with that Let's fill your boots because it is time for Mr. Sean Garrick. Yes, it is time for the meat and potatoes. All right, folks, it is the meat and potatoes. And today I get to welcome a longtime Purple Patch coach, a man whose journey to coaching is like no other. One that is anchored in service, discipline, and team. And it's a timely week as we lead into Memorial Day in the US. And I'd like to welcome Purple Patch coach, Sean Garrick. Now, as you're going to hear, his journey is the backbone of lessons for both coaching and performance across life. And I think that you guys are going to draw a lot from this experience and conversation. And so, Sean, well, I'm humbled to say, welcome.
1: Thanks, Matt. I'm glad to be here. Although uh, I I couldn't help notice that uh, Mikey was on here like weeks ago and uh, we're just now getting to me. But that's okay.
0: Well, he's, he's, he's been, uh, he's been a purple catch coach actually longer than you. He is the longest serving. And, um, and I knew that, yeah. And I knew that he wouldn't disappoint me. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm holding my breath for you today.
1: <laughs> he, has, he has seniority and, uh, and a better act. So yes, I, I could curl.
0: The, there you go. Well, let, let's get going. Cause I think it's, uh, it's important. Are you, um, have you got your helmet on aviator sunglasses ready all buckled in?
1: Of course, of course, the way I always sit at home.
0: All right, I got my, my first question is: Is this appearing on this show? Is it is it sort of similar in a nerve wracking experience to launching off an aircraft carrier in turbulent seas?
1: It's almost exactly the same feeling. It's uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's a little little bit different. The the nerves are uh, are slightly better today than they they would have been in the past.
0: All right. Well, let's let's dig in. I I always like to do this with guests, and that's to give the listeners a little overview of your background, who you are, your childhood, family, siblings, life, growing up, education. So, so why don't you lead us with a with a quick snippet of Sean Garrick as a puppy?
1: All right. Uh, here we go. Uh, originally from uh, Southern Mississippi, and I uh, went to college. Uh, two kids. Um, I'm sorry two siblings, brother and a sister. Uh, I am the youngest of three. Um, my athletic background there was mostly uh, ball sports so basketball and then in college uh, rugby so a lot of short sprints without the uh, the endurance element necessarily. Um, I attended Mississippi State University, uh, aerospace engineer and uh, and from there, um, Ended up in the Marine Corps and uh, was lucky enough to be flying
0: yeah what, what, what was the what, we'll get into the professional journey now because it's obviously the backbone of our conversation today. What, what was the catalyst originally to join the Marines?
1: yeah that's a that's an interesting story. Uh, so flying had always been a dream of mine since a little kid. Uh, flying in space were I was I was just a bit obsessed with with all of that. Um, so that that leads into the aerospace engineering in college. But I, I wasn't sure how to translate that into actually being able to get into the cockpit. And uh in college, in my uh junior year, I received a a postcard that said, if you want a free Marine Corps calendar, fill this out. And I filled that out, and that led to me. Joining the Marine Corps and flying jets, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's unbelievable. And you know, you you mentioned you you flew jets, so I, I want to give the listeners a snippet. And and the reason I want to ask this question is because when you first joined Purple Patch, when you get we're going to get into that a little bit later. But I remember, yeah, I was in the Marines, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what did you do there? And you went through this quick hit list, and I was like holy shit. (laughs) So so what did you do in the Marines? Give us the quick list. Uh,
1: The quick list. So I went to the Marine Corps and I was lucky enough to uh, fly fighters. I flew F-18s mostly. Um, I was lucky enough to be uh, a a training officer, which means you get to go to the uh, cool schools like Top Gun and and, uh, MOTS-1, which is uh, basically the Marine Corps version of Top Gun, if you will. I uh, after that I did I did two cruises there on aircraft carriers, so I have over 300 carrier landings. Um, then I was blessed enough to go to a test pilot school, uh, which was uh, very competitive. and I ended up with over 2,300 flight hours and twenty five different aircraft. So uh, very happy with that. that. That was just such a blast.
0: and And you ended up as you have evolved through, obviously, Flying fighter jets and and doing tours on aircraft carriers. So, you're, but you're basically testing planes, testing weapons as well. Did you did you do that? I can't remember. Yeah,
1: I I did a lot of weapon testing. I did a lot of uh, aircraft controllability type testing. Um, and then we uh, did a lot of testing with weapons releasing from the aircraft, making sure they uh, come off properly. Because when they don't, uh, bad things happen. Mm.
0: Okay. So. So you've had this storied career, you've, you've got some medals uh, of service, you've, uh, you've had a, a really broad experience. I think that anyone that's ever seen some of the landings and, uh, uh, and the, the different experience of being a pilot, getting one of those things onto an aircraft carrier can just close their eyes and just think, goodness me, you know, that's, that's absolutely crazy. What, what I want to get into is your experience through the Marine Corps. With with that grounding, and um, and start to tie it to performance more globally as well as performance in sport. So, let me go out uh, sort of out, out, out of bounds here a little bit and ask this question: How important was mentorship to you through your journey? And when I ask this, I'm it's either mentors that you had, or, or perhaps equally the role of you being a mentor as well, answer it, how, how you would best like.
1: Oh, I think, I think it's a fantastic question and I've yet to be in a discipline in my life where having a mentor and then in turn later being a mentor has not uh, proven to be just a a catalyst for uh, growth. Um, so in the Marine Corps, uh, you have a training officer in every squadron that is, uh, uh, responsible for training all the pilots and tactics and techniques and procedures. So all the weapons, all the weapons systems, the aircraft and dogfighting, etc. And, um, you know, that that's the person that that goes to the the schools and then comes back and teaches the squadron. And uh, so they played a pivotal role uh, in turning Marines into professional warriors. And then I was lucky enough to be able to to have that role in my second squadron, and uh, take on these brand new nuggets—a a, a, nuggets—a a pilot that's really young, just got to the squadron, and doesn't know much yet. And you're able to take these really young nuggets and, and develop them into true warfighters, and, uh, and 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 teach them all about uh, how to best employ their their aircraft.
0: So. I, I guess when you when you're leading these nuggets or when you were a nugget yourself, I'm assuming that it, it was more than book learning yeah it was more than skill acquisition was was a part of the mentorship or your mentorship helping or being helped to f- development of contextual thinking growing as a human being with it sort of those elements in in this role?
1: I think 100 percent. It was certainly much more than just tactics. It was if you want to be the best that you could possibly be at employing your aircraft um, and you want to be the best Marine Corps officer that you can be, then, you know, there's so much more to it. There's there's a mindset and a discipline. There's a way of thinking. There's an ethos. There's uh, some of the same things that we talk about you know, for anyone striving to be the best in their area of expertise. And it's, it's got to be a, a full-time pursuit. Um and it, and it can't just be when you show up for work and, there, you know, there's a way of thinking and a way of feeling and a way of reacting and a way of acting and a way of leading that, that goes with that.
0: Well, it, it, it's interesting because you used the word discipline there. And I, I wanted to ask you about discipline. I've been struggling with how to find the right question. And so, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to boil it down to to very, very simple. So I'm going to, I've got a couple of words actually that I wanted to explore with you. So I'm going to say two words, one at a time, both of them are synonymous with endurance performance in many ways. And what I want you to do is to react to these words in context of your life. So I'm going to put you on the, um, uh, in, in, in the firing range here. And the first one is just that discipline discipline. Yeah.
1: Discipline. That That's a word that goes hand in hand with Marine Corps for sure. Um, and I don't think there's any way to be successful without it. I think, um, when it comes to, to flying while not inherently, uh, dangerous, it, it's certainly unforgiving. And, uh, mistakes are, are very costly. And, um, I think that's where the discipline of training comes in because so much can go wrong and, uh, you know, you prepare as best you can and you try to be ready for anything that might happen. And, and what does that sound like? Well, it's, it sounds a lot like control the controllables it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so we talk about a lot in racing and you know you think ahead of everything that's going to happen on a mission but there's so much you don't know that could happen so the things you do know of those things you know many of them are controllable and you will go ahead and plan for those and and plan to control those while there's also many things that can happen that are out of your control but you can plan how you're going to react to those and uh for me if I'm taking off on a short runway, I know if I get an engine fire rolling down the runway, I know what I'm going to do based on the airspeed I have, the fuel, the stores, the altitude, the heat, the humidity. I've done all the prep work to know exactly what I'm gonna do. And it's, it may be that if I get an engine fire under 110 knots, I'm gonna abort and stay on the runway. But if i'm over 110 knots it's actually more dangerous and i'm going to run out of runway before i can stop and i'm going to have to take that flying single engine so you've done all the planning now if i get an engine fire it's out of my control but what i do when it happens i i already know what i'm going to do and so if it happens i react accordingly and i think that's the same as is you know racing iron man when if you get a puncture well, you know exactly what you're going to do because you've changed that tire. You've got all the tools you need carried on board because you planned for that. You've changed that tire 100 times in your living room, and you know exactly how to react to that. So we we control the controllables, and we prepare for the uncontrollables, and then there's a whole bunch of things we didn't think could happen that will happen, and we'll have to react as best we can.
0: And have you ever had, by the way, a... uh you never had a sing, uh, an engine fire, have you, by chance?
1: I've, I've had plenty of engine problems. Uh, I didn't have an engine fire. I, my last night trap, my last uh, carrier landing at night was single engine. Uh, <laughs> that's the last one I did. We <laughs> were home from cruise, and I was, I was climbing through 30,000 feet, and all of a sudden on the aircraft, I hear a really loud banging. Sounds like somebody's got a sledgehammer right outside the cockpit. And uh, pulled that engine back to idle. Told the boss I was coming back down to recover and uh, just recovered single engine. So, uh, that was enough. And that's a, that's a that, that was enough for me on night traps and I didn't need anymore.
0: <laughs> very, very entertaining. I'm, I'm sure I would have excelled in that. But, um, yeah, but, but 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 what we heard there, like that word discipline, you you went into so many areas there, and I, I can't help that, but to summarize, it's like that that whole thing of poor prior planning, yeah. So plan so that you understand what to do, respond and control the things that you can control, and just be ready to respond to the things that you cannot control but can happen. And I think that goes right across life, doesn't it? I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, there's so many ways to apply that to every aspect of your life.
0: All right. So second word, another word that is Synonymous, I think, with the Marines, but it's also really important for endurance athletes, for entrepreneurs, for for parents looking to be the best parent they can be. Commitment. So underneath mm-hmm. discipline, the second word is commitment. What does that mean to you? Uh, honor,
1: courage, and commitment. Yeah, the, the, the backbone's there. Um, commitment. You cannot excel at anything without commitment. And it has to be uh, 100% inside of you to be committed. For me personally, I tend to need to be committed to things that are bigger than I am, uh, to a to my country, to the Marine Corps. Um, you know, I may not always do that much for myself, but I will sacrifice everything for someone else. And uh, you know, more personally, when you're out. When you're out overseas, and you know you're you're committed to the the family back home, your friends and family, those are the ones you're thinking of. Those are the ones you're committed to there. And then, lastly, you're committed to the person to your left and your right, those that are fighting with you, and uh, those that that you've built that teamwork with. Um, those are the ones you you will give
0: everything for. You also said something a long while ago. I'm going to go out on a tangent here. It was one of the the best things around coaching that that I've heard for a long while. You said when you start a coaching relationship, it's very tough. It, It shouldn't be expected that you have complete trust in the coach, but what you can have is commitment to the coach. What did you mean by that? Expand on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that that's been a that's been a subject of some, you know, great uh, in-depth thinking, especially over this last year. A few of us have really dove into that. And it's, uh, um, you know, you can't always be motivated. You you may not always believe right now, but you can you can be committed. Um, can you commit to the training? And and if you can commit and Put the trust judgment free, you know, for a time and then let's evaluate. That trust will come, you know, in Purple Batch, that trust will come because we will be successful. So that trust will come. And as it does, the belief will be there. And then you'll be committed, not just because you're committing, but also because you have bought in and you believe in where we're going and why we're doing what we're doing.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's really true. And, you know, you really highlighted that for me through the pandemic. You said like, we, we need to stay committed. We need to stay committed to the athlete. The athletes need to stay committed. And it's funny because now as we record this, the world is opening up and there is racing and we, we're really seeing the athletes that did keep training uh, as a part of their life, allow it to form some stability in their life, and now they get excited, but they're also well equipped to accelerate. And the, you know, the wonderful performance that we're seeing from our athletes over the last three, four, five races that have happened at the start of the year, it, it's synonymous with the ones that stayed committed to the process, not obsessively, but committed to the process, committed to coaching. And I think that really came. And, and I think you were a big part of that. So uh Oh
1: so, yeah. So I, so
0: I think it's wonderful. Yeah.
1: No, I think that's uh, I think it's fantastic. I think uh when this started happening just over a year ago, the the phrase that you've uttered uh a hundred times, which is emerge stronger. And uh, you know, that that has played over my head and my athletes have heard it many times. Uh because you know, you see, you see people now actually emerging stronger. And that and that's not because they just did 17 hours of training every week on top of a very stressful time but they did what they could uh with all the other pressures and and they they've progressed they they haven't stayed stagnant they haven't regressed but they've actually progressed and emerged stronger
0: it comes right back up to the our conversation on discipline as well you know this this wasn't a single engine landing this was no engines with the flaps not working <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh but, but we did it so um I, I can't help but carry on here. I promised you two words. I, I've, I've just thought of a couple of other words, so I want to carry on with this if it's okay. Because uh, yeah. I can't bypass this. Team is my third word. Oh,
1: team. Team is a, a fantastic word, especially in the Marines. There's, there's an old saying that says, you know, you can join any of the other services, but you become a Marine. And uh, hmm. that's, that's telling. And uh, once you're a Marine, you're one for life. And uh, that esprit de corps and, and that building of the team uh, is something the Marine Corps takes very seriously. It's something that's worked on. Um, it's a part of who you are. You're one of all the Marines that came before you. And you're one of all the ones that will come after you. And uh, you know, when you get to a team, it's, it doesn't happen by accident. right? It's, it's, a, it's a relationship. And relationships have to be cultivated. You have to build it and you have to spend time together. And you know it's it's about being with those those uh, teammates and you know, uh, those ones you've suffered together with. And you know, suffering suffering builds teams. It does. Uh, whether that's in in combat, whether that's just deploying and being aboard ship, uh, whether that's in training um, for the Marine Corps, but also uh, in in training for triathlon or endurance sports, the the team you train with, that suffering that you go through together, and that laying wiped out, uh, you know, at the edge of the track after the session, that builds the teamwork there. Mm-hmm. And you know, we, I, one of the great places I think we see it at Purple Patch is even on the Facebook page. The uh, we we see that is Matt Dixon will come up with some hellacious bike session and he'll label it something fun and everyone, when they get done, have something to say about it. And immediately there will be a Facebook thread about that session that everyone did that day. And, you know, it will start to fill up. And I think that builds camaraderie and teamwork and esprit de corps uh, amongst all our athletes as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. So, so here's my last word, uh, at least for this section, because I'm I'm probably going to come up with ten more. But something, yeah, <laughs> something a little bit more out of left field. Habits.
1: Habits. I think habits go right along with discipline. I think I think you can't have one without the other. Um, absolutely, and I think you know that the, those those habits. Become part of you and whether that for for an athlete is the habit of getting to bed on time is the habit of getting the right amount of sleep or it's the habit of prepping and having the right meals or packing their lunch that day so they don't make those binge choices later in the day. It's the habit of fueling right after a workout. I mean, there's so many Beneficial habits that are important, and um, you know—and the same is for the Marine Corps. You—you've got habits that, if you want to have a long life as a as a fighter pilot, you've got habits that you must follow every single day.
0: I think it's so true. I mean, it, 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 its funny that you mentioned—we were just talking about Kelly and I were just talking about uh, our family habits. What the, the two habits that we have that that's, many listeners might just say, yep, that's uh, that's it, I haven't thought of that, but but one is we make it, and it's nine times out of 10, we have dinner as a family together, sitting mm-hmm. around the table, really simple habit. It's always around the same time. Uh, I might have to do some work afterwards, uh, but six o'clock or so, it's myself, Baxter Kelly, having, uh, having, having Dinner together, and that's sort of a grounding thing. It's a habit, we just don't even think about it. And and then the second component is actually going to bed early. We all all (laughs) tend to go to bed pretty early. I get up ridiculously early, but it's a really important habit for us. It's something that you do because it frames how you operate in the other parts of your life. It's less chaotic, it's less random. It actually creates structure to all of our days. And we actually see it really benefiting Baxter. He's, he's oblivious to it, of course, but uh, but I think it's it does roll along with discipline. I absolutely agree. So,
1: no, I think those are fantastic examples, and uh, you know, and what w- you've talked about many times is, you know, just start today and think of two habits you're going to incorporate. You know, don't try to do them all at one time. Just just pick two. Maybe it's fueling after every workout. Uh, and, or maybe it's getting to bed on time and, you know, let those go for a while, incorporate those in your life. And then now let's, let's go back and look at what else can we do? And I think that's a good, good way to progress there.
0: It's good. Now I'm going to take a little pause out. I'm going to do a, uh, a little, did you know section here? And you didn't know I was going to talk about this, but I All want right. to point out to the listeners, uh, I, I occasionally hear your Southern drawl. Coming out, and it's like you know that that little bit of Mississippi that comes out, and then you're being interviewed by this poetic, lovely, lacy English voice. Uh, so, so there's a little did you know here, Sean, that uh, listeners don't know. If you if you talk to a linguist, that's uh, that would be particularly interested in dialect and regional dialect. The Southern accent. Back in the day, when the Brits came over here, the way that, spo- that they spoke, their their dialect, their accent the closest thing that we have is the american southern accent that's how british used to be spoken english used to be spoken interesting I'm not i sure if you knew
1: actually that. knew that i had read that a couple of years ago and i actually i actually knew that one
0: back back in england in the 1700s it sounded more yankee poodle or it actually sounded more southern <laughs> than uh, than what we associate with the queen's english so now now that has nothing to do yeah. with performance but it does mean that we're almost brothers that's what I uh that's what I that's what I want to join the connection yeah <laughs> but
1: but I will say that in one of my very first training squadrons um, we had an Australian uh exchange pilot and so he was in my back seat I was in the front seat and we had the hardest time communicating between our two assets <laughs> we almost got nothing done it was it was terrible <laughs>
0: okay so it's a nice segue let's let's go into your transition to coaching and uh, and of course a part of that we can't talk about your transition to coaching without talking about your transition to purple patch so i'd like to first understand what the catalyst for that was what what led you into wanting to get into coaching endurance sports
1: no that, that is a good question and um I I had reached a point in my Marine Corps career, I, you know, after you fly for so long in the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps goes, hey, you got to go do something non-flying. And so I had reached that stage of, of my career. I had done, luckily, not because I'm so good, I just was lucky. And I had been able to do everything I came in the Marine Corps to do. Um, I, I'd been a fighter pilot, I'd been on aircraft carriers, I'd been a test pilot and i i kind of checked the boxes and i was ready for new challenges and new horizons and you know i certainly didn't want to ever look back and think oh those were the those were the best days in my rearview mirror and you know just not accomplishing anything in the future i just you know you can't live that way i don't think any of us want to live that way and I became very interested in endurance sports and very passionate about triathlon as I, and human performance. And, you know, as, as enthralled as I've always been all my life with the magic of flight, I started to get the same uh, amazement at what the human body can accomplish, and so that led me into really diving into endurance sports and triathlon and, and learning. what. And I, and I was just hungry to learn everything I could.
0: And, you know, our, one of our favorite subjects, me and you, two subjects there. Take the listeners back to us connecting, I guess. What, what was you reached out think uh, I, I hardly remember us the first way, so maybe you can explain what the catalyst was for reaching out to myself and Purple Patch, and, and how it went.
1: Well, I agree that these these are two of the best subjects that can be discussed.
0: <laughs> and uh, so,
1: I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to overinflate your ego, but this is how it happened, and it was probably in the 2013 time frame. I'd become interested. I wanted to get involved with with coaching, and I wanted to learn everything I could. And I thought, you know, if I was 25 years old, I would start locally. I would, you know, learn from a local coach. I would learn what I could, and I would, you know, expand that, and I would grow and get better and and move up. I was in my 40s, and I was like, I don't have time for that. Not to mention, I need better quality teaching, you know. Um, and so I reached out to who I thought was the best triathlon coach in the world. And, uh, I, you know, I hate to do this, but that was you. You were the first person I reached out to. I had been reading everything you wrote. I had been listening to everything you were saying. and uh, And I agreed with it. And uh, and uh, I I reached out to you completely in the blind with no introduction, no anything, and and basically it was like, "Hey Matt, you don't know me, um, and I haven't been in endurance sports that long, but here's why you need me on your team," and uh, and you were foolish enough to uh, to listen to me and respond. And and I think I told you, I, I told you I was like, look, I know I can learn, but I need a quality fire hose to drink from. And uh, like I said, you were foolish enough to respond, and uh, you know, once once you cracked the door, there was no getting rid of me.
0: Well, that's true. Yeah, they say definitely anchored in. But uh, <laughs> no, and in fact, it's you know, I, I was jesting when I said I don't remember meeting you. I remember it very very well, and I, I think I. I believe I'm going to make a broad, more broad point. I, I believe in people, and I, I I always, whether it's looking at athletes, I, I I really, when I'm interviewing or talking to aspirational athletes, I I, I really try and understand them as people and their as much as you can their characteristics and and who they are, and see whether I believe that there's. As well as a little bit of the physical whether they have the right mindset characteristics etc for them to go on the journey and be successful the same applies for bringing people into your team and uh, and building it around characteristics and mindset and in some ways personality etc and and it's fu- it's funny your your story is very similar to many of the other team members that we've had at purple patch michael zinski the longest serving coach that we've had came to us his actual his girlfriend at the time purchased a coaching consultation with me and i talked to him and they just finished physiology i said fantastic would you like to come and work for us uh you know matt hurley reached out in the same way as you did in many ways and finished the conversation i said fantastic would would you be interested in potentially working with us and He you yeah, know i'd love to but i've got to tell you i'm a felon and uh, and you guys should go back and listen to the the story of a very, very fond relationship that both Sean wow. and I have had a great uh great key member of Purple Patch for many years, Matt Hurley, and uh now operates his own coaching business with his wife. And um like called like Black she-
1: being, being a felon, yeah, being a felon is still better than being a Marine, you know, it's still not quite well, as little.
0: <laughs> it, it, it was it was much more interesting to me. I've got to tell you, but uh, and and then you know even a couple of them, Jim and Tiger that were Purple Patch athletes that came literally came up through the ranks and now can't escape. So uh, so it's, it's all I think it's a wonderful story, but also for people looking to to build team is really try. My advice would be really try and understand the people and what drives them, and uh, or the person and what drives them, and what they can bring. Because the the other parts of it are trainable, coachable, teachable, and uh, and that's really fun, uh, and that that's a great part. So I, I guess I should ask: uh, so the, the catalyst is is the purple patch methodology as well? You know, you obviously were, were lavishing me with with <laughs> too much praise, but
1: uh, yeah, too much. I'm sorry, <laughs>
0: uh, but the overall philosophy methodology i know was appealing to you what what was the thing that caught that
1: yeah and that that is it it's it's you know initially you know broken down into uh the pillars of performance you know that grabbed me and i went okay you know this makes sense and um the devaluing of of simply just accumulating hour after hour after hour uh on the, on the training. And I, you know, the focus on the all-around athlete. I think one of the surprising things when I came on board and really started to get to know some athletes, especially at the elite level, was how unbalanced many, many were. And I'm not talking about purple patch athletes at this time, but I think that, you know, in their life, how unbalanced they were, you know, maybe very heavy on progressive training, but very light on nutrition or not, you know, barely existent on recovery and sleep. And I and I how unbalanced they were within their lives and how unsustainable that was going to be. And I think that's what even drove me further into uh the purple patch methodology and the four pillars of performance.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. It's uh it's a good platform for this next coach because earlier I asked you about mentorship quite deliberately, and uh, what I want to ask now, coming off of this, is your role as a coach, and particularly, what do you see your role as a Purple Patch coach?
1: That's a that's a good question. And my role, I think, I'm going to break it. I'm going to break my answer up into into two. Uh, I think first is going back to the methodology. I think first and foremost, I'm a representative of, of Purple Patch. Uh, therefore, I have to be very steeped in Purple Patch methodology. I have to know it, I have to understand it, I have to know how to apply it in de- different situations. You know, when an athlete asks a question, I've got to be able to provide that Purple Patch answer, uh, first and foremost. And that that's not to make me a, a robot and just, you know, just regurgitate everything that you say it's it it it's a basis to then learn to uh, deviate from you know the the first rule is to learn all the rules and then then you know which ones to break so i think you know with if, if you understand the purple patch answer to things now we can actually tailor that for individual situations and individual athletes and and, and um and their unique situations. And I think that would be the first part. So the first part would be that methodology. And the second part, you know, my role as coach is, is simple. My role is to become whatever an athlete needs me to be so that they can be successful. So sometimes that means I am overbearing, you know, maybe they need a Marine drill instructor yelling at them every day. Sometimes they need a cheerleader. Uh, to pick them up. Sometimes it's tough love and sometimes it's encouragement. And, you know, those are the things that are, are intangible, but so important and so interesting to me, uh, in, in how you coach, how you connect and how do I make this athlete the most successful that they can possibly be. And I think, I think when we do that, now you want to get, I want to get to a place where we're partners. The athlete and I are joint partners. We both have their, the same goal. We talk about how we're going to do it. And it's, it's a kind of a 50, 50 partnership there. And they offer up ideas and I go, oh yeah, I like that. Let's do that. Or no, let's, how about this? And we work on it together, but you know, not every, not every, every athlete that comes and is ready for coaching is ready for that kind of relationship. And that, that kind of a relationship, you know, you want to evolve to season after season. And we certainly, certainly don't want to be coaching an athlete on their eighth year of coaching the same way we did their first year. I think, you know, athletes and relationships evolve. And as the athlete and the coach evolve, that relationship should evolve as well. And uh, you know it goes back to evolve or die, and I think it has to be a continuous growth in that relationship.
0: I'm so glad that you you went there with that answer because one of the things that's always struck me is the the breaking of the myth. You know, if if, if I said to my brothers, "Yes, we've, we've hired a marine who wants to become a coach," <laughs> they would they would probably jump to the drill instructor, the hardcore, etc. and it's just not that at all. Uh, and, and in fact, they would also laugh that I would probably be the antithesis, <laughs> although I can play that role. And I think that's what coaching is, is understanding when to put the proverbial arm around the shoulder, when to lift them up, when to show them tough laugh, when to open the doors and inspire. And um, and it's everything. And that, that's what coaching is. That's what teaching is in many ways. and And it's different for different people as well, of course.
1: Absolutely. I agree 100%. I think it's well said. And that's what makes it so fun.
0: Yeah. Makes it, makes it tough, makes it fun. And, uh, it's great. It's why as soon as the coach thinks that they've got it all worked out, well, I think it's (laughs) probably time to, uh, time to retire or time to not fly planes anymore. Let's put it that way. So, uh, so, so let's flip it on reverse with that context. Would you have any advice for athletes About being coached, because that's—I think this is a under-discussed or considered part of the coach-athlete relationship. A lot of people sign up for coaching, uh, go and get a coach, whatever it might be, and they think it's fairy dust. Uh, They don't think about there's been time, and this really comes out of actually a a discussion I had with Greg Bennett a couple of weeks ago or last week. But um, with that context what would your advice be to athletes who are being coached?
1: That's that's a great question. I'm looking forward to listening to that episode as well. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of athletes don't quite understand what their role is as a coached athlete and what they can or can't do. And a lot of, you know, many seem to be a little bit timid and well, they said do this. I'll go do that without without a real relationship and understanding being there. So I think the first thing to realize in a coach-athlete relationship is it is relationship. So all the things that make a normal relationship successful are critical to making a coaching and athlete relationship successful. And the first and foremost is communication. Um, communication has to be two-way and it has to be iterative it has to continue to go on it it can't be um you know dropping a week of training into the training plan having them go do it and then you call them up and say how'd it go all right, went well, fine you know it, that's that's not that's not coaching you know um there needs to be comments after the hard sessions there needs to be you know an email or a text that says Hey, I was really tired today, and I'm not sure why. Or I didn't get to sleep last night. How should we adjust? You know, the kids, the two-year-old kept me up till two in the morning where I've got a trip coming up. Uh, you know, nothing upsets me more as a, as a coach than to find out one of my athletes has, you know, flown overseas or something, and I didn't know they were going, and we didn't adjust the training to account for that. And um, so I think communication – is by, by far the number one thing. And then, you know, I think a shared vision, we both know where the athlete is now and where they want to go. So we have to, we have to both share that vision and we have to both, both be invested in that vision. Um, I, I think anybody that knows me, anybody that's coached by me knows I am fully invested in your plan, in your dream, in your uh, North star, I am fully invested in your goals and the athlete has to be fully vested as well. And uh, you know, it doesn't work if only one of you are fully invested. And then the last thing, and uh, it didn't occur to me until after I started coaching that this, this would be one of the elements, but I think honesty. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that an athlete will lie to you. I mean, an athlete will lie to themselves <laughs> <laughs> and athlete will, like, will not admit sometimes to themselves how tired they really are or uh, how fatigued or how they didn't get enough sleep last night or how they, you know, it's been a big training block and they woke up with, uh, they're having trouble sleeping, they've had night sweats, etc. And they don't want to admit that to a coach because they're afraid, air quotes, he's going to cut my training. And, uh, you know, it's, so I think, you know, going back to something we talked about earlier was trust. And, you know, when you first start coaching an athlete, I've, I've had them not trust me. They were afraid I was going to cut their training if they told me anything like that. And I remember, uh, a, uh, a few years ago, I was coaching a, a very good athlete, um, from Canada and she went and had a really hard race and had a really good race. But about five days later, um, she was still carrying fatigue and she was still struggling. And she came to me and she's like, look, I don't want to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this, but I don't want you to cut my training. And she's like, this is what's going on. And she was having broken sleep and she was having night sweats. And I'm like, OK, look, I'm not going to cut your training. Here's what we need to do. We can take three days. We can adjust it just like this. And I explained it to her. And by the fifth day, we're going to be back progressing. Or we can do nothing. We can keep the same level of training going. And in about a week, you are going to hit a wall. And now we're going to have to take about eight days or nine days to recover from that. And... (laughs) And that's the one she chose. She's, uh, she didn't trust it. She kept on plowing through. And sure enough, eight days later, she hit a wall. We talked about it. We took the time to recover. From that point on, she was fully on board and trusted how the plan was going to work. And she was honest with me every time. And she didn't fight me against those things anymore. But up until that point, there was not that honesty and trust that that
0: Absolutely required. Uh, the old predictive coaching. There's nothing more powerful. This is what is going to happen. And yes. the reason for that is you see a whole bunch of athletes, and so therefore patterns emerge. In fact, there is a. Uh, I'll give you a great story. That's the opposite of that, and, and it just happened actually last week. It's about one of the purple patch pros, Sam Appleton. Many listeners will know him. Absolutely world class. Sam's Sam's known as a. I mean, you you know Sam. Mm-hmm. Easygoing, lovely guy. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't need any excuse to to take rest when it's warranted. You know, sort of thing. But um, yeah. but he works darn hard. He really does work. And so he called me, must be five or six days ago now. But gave me a call, and basically the conversation was that this is the training that's planned for the week. He said, "I want to be honest. I'm just really tired. I'm flat." and I'm um, training stuff, you know, I, I just feel empty. So there is great wisdom for a young guy, great wisdom, great confidence, courage, I would say, because he knew and really he knew what he needed to do and what he needs to do because he's done it many times before. But mm-hmm. it's also exactly that. And he was like, all right, let's do it. Three days, you know, nothing turn your back on the sport couple of days of rebuilding back in then we're going to give it a crack at the weekend and of course energy comes back feels better put it in the bank now look forward but that that is a really important part of being coached and uh and, and invested and disciplined and commitment and all of those words that you mentioned about and so yeah, yeah and, I, and I think
1: you know another example in that line you know we've often talked about, well, is it expected fatigue or unexpected fatigue? You know, mm-hmm. if you're going through that big training block, well, we're, we expect you to be really tired as we get to the end of that. Um, and I had another athlete come to me and she, she kind of told me about that, how much she was dragging and, and everything. Well, she should have been. We just came off a really big block and we had one more day to go. And then we were going to clean out. And she got really surprised when I said, yep, I understand. I still want you to execute the big ride and the big brick tomorrow. And (laughs) she's like, well, I thought you would tell me to take off. I'm like, no, you should be fatigued. You should be tired. Mm -hmm. If you're not, we've done something wrong. But you've got one more day in you, and then we're going to recover and clean it out. And so, you know, you, you've got to understand where you are in it and whether it's expected or not. And, I, I, you know, and that means being honest. That, you know, the whole point was being transparent on how, how you feel and where you are.
0: Exactly. Perfect. So, so, we're running out of time. So, I want to come back. I, I've, I've enjoyed my word game with you. So, I, I want to do a quick hit. Okay. So, we're going to try and one or two sentences and, uh, and, I sort of thought through these words as it relates to very purple patchy, but also back in time, Sean the Marine. So I just thought, I'm going to throw these to you and you can give me a sentence or two on each. We'll try and get through three or four of them. Okay. okay. All right. First one failure and adversity. Mm.
1: Necessary, necessary for success um how we react and how we adapt and overcome 100% necessary for success
0: perfect okay number 2 this is really good relative to the uh, the the last year we've had the pandemic calm in chaos and i'm i'm
1: thinking of marine flying here so the the number one way to get yourself killed is to let emotion take over in the cockpit so i think calm in the chaos Comes down to having the discipline to let's go back to a purple patch phrase logic over emotion. So recognize the emotion, put it to the side, and now let's do what needs to be done to move ourselves forward. Brilliant.
0: This next one, I laugh when I say it because I was like, I, I can imagine you just uh, sitting on the uh, sitting on the aircraft carrier about to take off and just being like, oh, but maybe not, calm in chaos, but here's my next one for you, uh, or me sitting on the end of the car- uh, carrier, I guess. Performance anxiety.
1: <laughs> oh, man. You know, the, the first aircraft carrier I ever saw, I'd never seen one. I'd never set foot on one. I was flying out in a single-seat jet to land on it. so. N- Talk about performance anxiety. You know, there's no instructor in your backseat because no one's dumb enough to actually get in the backseat the first time you take it to the ship. Um, so, the you know, first time, it,
0: hang on, hang on, pause, pause. The <laughs> first time, <laughs> hang on, the first time that you actually visually saw an aircraft carrier, you had to land the freaking plane on it.
1: That 100%. Yeah, I'd never seen one before. We're flying out there. Big blue ocean horizon, to horizon. Out in the distance, there's this thing that looks like a little postage stamp down there. And then we went down and tried to land on it. <laughs> it was that is a lot of anxiety. Uh, that 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 was tough. But uh, landing board ship, you know, it's just a controlled crash. I mean, you don't flare, you don't land easy. It's it's a, you fly into the flight deck. And as soon as you do, you've got a hook at the back, catches a wire. You go from 150 miles an hour to zero in two seconds. You select full afterburner. In case you don't catch it, you can take back off. It's a lot of anxiety happening. And it is tough. And all the things we talked about before are the only way to get through that. The discipline, the calm, the uh, control the controllables you know, all of those things are, are, are what get you through that.
0: I'm starting to understand why you're one of the best sag drivers that we've ever had on our training camps.
1: (laughs) Is that a a good thing? I don't know.
0: I I don't know, but okay. the, The last one that I have nail the basics.
1: Nail the basics. I think is in every sport, in every endeavor, I don't think you can be successful without nailing the basics. We, we've returned to racing. You know, those that have nailed the basics throughout this year, and they've really implemented those habits because those habits are the basics in a lot of ways. You know, those are the ones progressing. Those are the ones that emerge stronger. I don't think you can get there uh, where you want to be. Without having a deep, deep respect for the basics, it's
0: brilliant. Well, Sean, it's Memorial Day weekend coming up, and uh, I want to thank you for uh, for being a part of Purple Patch and and being willing to on such a week. I know it's a very, very important week for uh, for for you and you guys and, and your teammates, but, um, but also I want to thank you for being, for all of your service to the purple patch athletes, the purple patch team being so integral to our team since 2013. And, uh, and it's been too long since I've invited you on the show, but I'm so, so glad that you came on today and you shared your story as, as, as I knew it would be, it was absolutely terrific. So thank you very, very much.
1: Hey, Matt, thank you. I thank you for the shot, uh, for responding all those years ago. Uh, I thank you for the chance to be on here. Not not for me, but but I I ask each each person out there to uh, take a moment and uh, and think seriously about Memorial Day. And uh, so so let that sit um, and and take a moment for that. I think it's important. There's it's unbelievable what the boys and girls are doing out there on the front lines day after day.
0: Good stuff. All right, Shawnee, I give you a virtual handshake and I say, thank you very much for everyone listening. Really appreciate it. And we will see you next week. Well, thank you so much, Sean. What a conversation. So insightful. To be honest, I knew it was going to be like that. I knew that you were going to do a great job of connecting all of your experiences in the military to performance across life. And I love your perspective on coaching, commitment, discipline, and relationship. And I think it goes many ways to break the mold of how many people think of military leaders, of just get on with it, laddie. Come on, that's my role, eh? But Sean, thank you so much for joining. For all of you folks out there, have a great week, stay healthy, and the week following, next week, We've got a big one. It is gonna be a lot of fun. Until then, have a good day and take care of yourself. Cheers. Hey guys, this is Matt. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. And if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if we share with your friends and really go the extra mile. Head over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to follow, rate, and review the show. Your support and reviews go a long way to increasing our visibility and of course, the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive, just like me and you. Don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to the episode resources and all of our programs can be found at purplepatchfitness.com. Thanks much for listening. Take care.